Welcome to Our Voices, a podcast developed by the Village of South Orange to honor Black History Month. This year, the national theme for Black History Month is the Black Family, Representation, Identity, and Diversity. This podcast will shine a light on some of the ways in which our black families are beautiful, complex, vibrant, and strong. Hopefully, the conversations that we hear now will teach us something new and help us begin to better understand some of the issues facing our neighbors, friends, and those we have yet to meet. Indeed, this is Our Voices a podcast celebrating the beauty and diversity of the black family. Now, let us begin the conversation. Welcome, Brandon Hayes. I am here with the great family. First, Assemblywoman JC, how are you? Very well, thank you. That's great to hear. Miss Terry, art teacher at Zions Park High School in North. And we also have the brother, big man, Christopher. Christopher, the producer, produces many things. Christopher, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm well. Before, you know, we really dive into the interview, really talented group of people I'm talking to right here. How do you guys feel that you all have, you know, this certain role? Does that just kind of connect you together or you guys just pursued your passion? Being uh, the sibling of someone with a disability? Yes. I think I think it made us all much more aware of the need to educate people and to um, help in helping him help other people respond to the needs of people with disabilities and see them as people, not as problems. Having a brother with a disability um, and you could see what he had to um, his struggle, everyday struggles made us realize how blessed we were to, you know, have uh, have what we have, have each other. And so therefore there was no excuse not to pursue um, our education, not to pursue uh, what we wanted to do in life and uh, not make, uh, yeah, just just go for it. Right, exactly. And And I should point out that he was the fourth child in a, among 11 children. Mm. So we were like a, a posse <laughs> and um, oftentimes felt a, ourselves in the position of protecting him and defending him. And I think Chris can probably speak to that. Yeah. And I'll say that he also inspired us because, um, you know, he was uh, somebody who wasn't supposed to be able to walk or talk, but with eight or nine siblings and all this uh, interaction, you know, he did and achieved a lot more than, than probably anybody thought he could. And yeah, you know, there was times when uh, he was an interesting guy and and a distraction. And, you know, uh, I remember at, 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 I was a a high school player and my brothers, we'd be at a game and there'd be my brother under the flag with a salute, you know, saluting the flag and everyone would be looking at him and hooting and hollering. But, you know, it, it came it, at some point they, they, they came to know who he was. He, he was part of the, the group. It was, it was, uh, they learned about him. They learned that, you know, he isn't any different. He's a, just another person. And, you know, he taught people a lot of inflection, you know, that, that you can do a lot of different things. And he became one of, you know, just one of the club. Mm-hmm. That's true. 
Yeah. And the other thing about him uh, is that he was a big guy. He was mm -hmm. uh, over 200 pounds. Um, he couldn't speak clearly. And when he tried to communicate and couldn't, he got really angry. And uh, sometimes he was very good at cursing. <laughs> uh, and so that frightened some people. So uh, he had Down syndrome. I don't think we said that. And he was a very, very low functioning Down syndrome baby. And as uh, the oldest girl, when he arrived, I, re I remember the social worker coming to the house and telling my mother that she needed to place him in an institution. And that was really the beginning of our education in terms of how society saw him and the expectations. And I think one of the things we learned over the years is, and this is with children, whether they have disabilities or not, expectation is everything. If you, mm -hmm. if you believe that a child can do something, very often they can or they can come close. How did your mother take that saying that he needs to be in an institution that he can't, you know, be on the outside world, I guess? Yeah. You know, I, I just remember my mother talks about it and she said, because almost because of her ignorance to uh, children with disabilities and her not knowing much about down syndrome, she didn't accept it. It was, um, I don't think it ever crossed her mind to send him away, that he was part of the family and that we were mm. going to deal with it. But she attributes some of that to just not knowing what was in store right. for her going forward. So almost like ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't really like offended saying that, hey, he can be, he doesn't need to be institutionalized. He's all right. It, it was just not really knowing I, I would say that. I mean, I, I don't think she took offense because she didn't know what to take offense to. At that time, you know, this is back in the late 1950s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and this was not something that was discussed openly about having children with disabilities. That was the expectation at the time that when you had someone who was not fully functioning, you sent them away um, because the thought was they would interfere with the other members of the family. And, um, and that wasn't the case with us. Right. Growing up, how did you guys adapt to uh, being, I, I understand his nickname was Moose, right? He insisted on being called that, yes. Yeah. How did you guys adapt growing up with, uh, with Moose in the house? I, you know, I want to say it, it was very different for, for each of us yeah. because um, as we were older sisters and so his, his coming into the family changed the dynamic. Um, and Chris, you can speak on this in a minute. I think with Chris, Moose was there from the very beginning. So it wasn't like this was something new being introduced to the home that was just part of the norm. Right, so. Moose was there when Chris was born. So there mm -hmm. were 11 kids, Moose was number four. What were you, Chris, number? In the middle, seven? Seven. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but it, right. it was such a group. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it really is very interesting. Um, we just took him every, everywhere we went. And uh, 
you know, we took care of him. He didn't learn to walk until he was over two. And at that point, Eric had been born. And so we had uh, two in diapers and two who couldn't mm -hmm. walk. And so Terry and I did a lot of the caretaking in terms of changing diapers and dressing and feeding and that kind of thing. But I don't think I ever really saw it as a burden. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I would like to say um, Myla, Myla has always been the nurturing, more maternal member of the family. Um, there are two girls and nine boys in this family. So uh, between, between the two of us, she was the nurturing uh, maternal one. And I was younger. I was only five years old when Moose was born. And I think my relationship with him was a little different. I think growing up at times, and to be honest, uh, we were living in Los Angeles. There were times I was embarrassed by oh, his yeah. outbursts and, mm -hmm. and by him. And because I was young and I didn't quite understand, I mean, that changed, that, that definitely changed as I became a teenager. But I think as when I was maybe in elementary school, and uh, like Mila said, he, mm. he was always included in all the family outings and everything. We didn't hide him um, at home. He, he was part of everything. But yeah, there were times that I didn't know how to explain as a young girl his outbursts and, and some of the things that he did. And there were times we had to lay the hammer to others who would either tease him or, you know, make fun of him. And so he, he became part of our everyday life. And right. And right. Because he wore glasses. He wore glasses. Coke bottle glasses. Yeah. So there were there was some there was some fisticuffs at times, you know, for for the others who kind of didn't understand who he was and would tease him and and we'd have to step in and and uh, you know teach them a, a, a little lesson. Uh, but that was just part of our <laughs> growing up with Moose. I mean, he went with us everywhere. He was part of our family. And, and at, like I said earlier, he, uh, he became, you know, when you mentioned our family, uh, Moose was, you know, just part of us and everyone knew who he was. Yeah, I can actually remember physically fighting the two boys next door. Um, you? In Los Angeles. Yep. Yeah, really? I was very protective. Yes, Assemblywoman JC. Yes. <laughs> I was about to miss a because my question was going to be towards Chris. Like, Chris, did you ever really, you know, as a brother, did you really have any altercations with people? But Assemblywoman JC, really you know, started, hey, started early. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, it, we, we lived in a lot of different places. And so we encountered a lot of different people. And I would say most of Moose's upbringing was in rural Minnesota. So if you can imagine rural Minnesota in the late After 60s LA. and 70s uh, and being the only black family out there, uh, Moose was just one of the things that uh, <laughs> uh, physical altercations uh, had to be uh, the means of, of communicating sometimes because verbal communication wasn't effective. So, you know. So when you right. were living in Minnesota in the 60s, were you just like, oh my God, I cannot wait to leave here. This is the worst. Or did you just, 
adapt yes. to it? Did you? Well, just, yeah, absolutely. Just, Let's put it this way. Uh, when you go to a school of 1,400, there's seven minorities. You, When it's time for college, you get out. So, uh, yes, I came out east. My sisters had already moved out east, so I came out, out east to go to school. Yeah, you you get out. That's what you do. <laughs> right. And and I went, I went, we moved to Minnesota, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, when I was going into my senior year of high school. From Los Angeles. From, from LA High, which was this fantastic school. It was very much like Columbia High School. It was diverse and it offered everything. And I went from there to St. Paul Central where uh, it was, uh, it, I can't even describe it. <laughs> and, 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 and it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I arrived uh, in the middle if you can imagine this, leaving Los Angeles in the middle of February mm -hmm. and arriving to Minnesota, um, it was not only a culture shock, it was a, um, you know, environmental uh, weather shock. Um, and we then moved out to rural Minnesota, where we lived on 11 acres of land in the middle of Sort nowhere. Of, sort of nowhere. <laughs> yes, I, Chris might have been seven out of 15. I was the only Black student and I had my big Afro and it was during Black Power days. So mm -hmm. I felt a need not only to defend my brother and my younger brothers, but the entire Black community out in white rural Minnesota. <laughs> So here you guys are in California, Los Angeles, uh, you know, everything seems... Well, you know, actually, this, Moose was born in Washington, D.C., and then Washington. we moved to L.A. So mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. for Moose, then L.A., then Minnesota. Right. How did he handle that change? Do you guys know, like, did he just adjust to it fine, or did he just like, I want to go back to Cali, I want to go oh, back no. to Los Well, I don't, I don't think he really, I mean, he was always with us, with the family. The difficult period for him was the family left uh, because our grandfather died suddenly. And so the family moved to St. Paul. Um, and I stayed behind actually for a few months to finish out the, the year. Mm -hmm. And um, Moose stayed behind also. And that was a very dark period for me and for him because uh, he was in an institution. They had in California, they had a, a, a service, I guess they would call it. If a family had an emergency going on, uh, he could be placed there. So he was placed in an institution. And my older cousin, Sylvia, and I, uh, she could drive, I couldn't then. Um, we drove out to see him every Sunday. And it broke my heart because he was so happy to see us and so unhappy when we left. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd take him to McDonald's, we'd go to the parks, we'd do things with him. And the other thing I really remember about it uh, is that he smelled like this uh, disinfectant. Like they they bathed and, and him in it and, it was in his hair. His hair was always slicked down. And, and it just, the smell turned my stomach because it smelled like an institution and he smelled like that. And so when he, when he and I were able to get on a plane in June and fly to Minnesota, it was, uh, it was a really happy time for me because 
you know, he missed everybody and he couldn't understand. He was a very low functioning dance. He couldn't understand where everyone was. And you could, but, but he was very upset about it. You know, it, it you could see his heart was broken. And um, he was just so happy to see everyone when we finally got to Minnesota. And, and I was really happy for him. Um, yeah, one, one of the things is, just to keep in mind, he could not verbally communicate mm. his feelings to us. Um, he had a way of showing us um, through his actions and sometimes through his, his, um, his tantrums. But um, so we learned to understand him. And, and a lot of times, and, and Chris, I, I think you could probably talk on this more had to communicate for him to others because right. um, they couldn't understand what he was saying and sometimes would misunderstand his actions because he was very physical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Moose liked to touch. And hug people. <laughs> yeah, strangers. He was, he was very, very lovable. And- um, Like a big teddy bear. That's right. what he was, unconditional love from Moose, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of a lot of people didn't understand that because he would come up to people he didn't know and and he would he would hug and touch and and uh, yeah. <laughs> so when Moose would do that with people and people they kind of back off and they kind of show emotion and they're kind of upset. Did that upset Moose? Did that kind of break his heart? Like, hey, I'm just trying to show you love and you're not trying. No, to I don't think you. he really understood what what was going on. He you know and typically. Um, you know, there would be somebody right after that would either one of us to, to kind of pull him away from it. I, I don't think Moose really grasped what that whole thing was about. He just did it no matter what, where we were, didn't matter who it was. It was just his, his nature. Yeah. I, and I think one of the things to keep in mind is because we're such a big family, um, there was always someone with him. with him. He was never on his own having to... Um, except when he went to, to uh, school or, or when he went to one of his social functions with other, um, uh, other young people who had downs. I mean, he liked to go to right. a social. Very uh, social. Yeah, he was very social. He loved party. Loved, loved music. Loved attention, loved attention. And food. <laughs> he loved food. And he loved to wander. He liked to wander. There are times when he yes. would wander away. Yeah. We'd have to yes. go track him down and he'd be in situations. Uh, I remember once uh, there was a game uh, and basketball game and he had wandered into the concession stand. And, uh, <laughs> he had laid in front of the concession table and, you know, the PA announcer said, Mrs. Odin, can you please come out to, you know, Mrs. Odin, please come out to the concession stand. And she came out and there was Moose lying down in front of the concession stand. And everyone was around him. Are you okay? Are you okay? And that was what he liked, the attention. Get <laughs> <laughs> up, Moose. And he bounced right up. And she marched him back into the stands to the game. Did that kind of keep you guys up at night, knowing that he loves to wander around? He loves to just go out? Yes. And so, he... And yeah. he was pretty good at undoing locks. Yeah, there's a story when we lived in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. We had to put all these locks on the doors. And he would find a way, and he was very young at this time, um, and he would find a way to get through these locks. And if we didn't keep an eye on him, he would go out the door. And one day he did go out and we ended up having to call the police. We were all looking for him because he would wander the neighborhood. And um, I think down the street, there were a couple of people with pools and things like that. So we just never, yes, it was, it was, 
it did create some anxiety because he was very curious, uh, which he gets from his mother, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's 96 and it's her curiosity who's keep, keeping her going. But mm -hmm. yes, it, 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 it did create some, some stress and anxiety in the family. Yeah, you had to yep. be on your toes for sure. Yep, yep. I wanted to leave enough time to read a letter that I wrote um, to the South Orange community when he died. I have that. I was going to talk oh, you to have, you about that. Oh, you letter. No, no. Okay. If you were to read it, that would be great. Um, so it was a letter to the editor after, after he died. I would mm -hmm. like to take this opportunity to publicly thank the South Orange police officers who responded to my call for help the South Orange Rescue Squad and the paramedics who treated my brother and transported him to St. Barnabas Medical Center last week. Everyone involved acted quickly, professionally, and with compassion to help my brother who was in acute respiratory distress. This was the second time we had called the police for help since October. Moose, as he preferred to be called, had Down syndrome. A few months ago, he wandered away from home and was lost. The police officer who came to our house was very understanding and assured us they would find Moose before dark. Although he was 31 years old and about 230 pounds, he was more like a preschooler. He was very frightened when the police and a friend of ours found him. We had been frantic worrying that some harm might come to him, but everyone we spoke to in the parks and on the street responded with concern and kindness. Moose did not survive his recent illness. Although he lived in South Orange for only three years, he touched many lives. He was a fixture at many soccer, baseball, and basketball games in the parks. He attended the canteen at Baird on Thursdays. He loved to swim at the pool and had his first banana split at Grunnings. He helped build the tire playground at Jefferson School and visited the PLACE program for developmentally delayed preschoolers at Marshall School. He attended the Martin Luther King program at South Orange Middle School. He fed the ducks at Cameron Field and he delighted in the 4th of July fireworks at Floods Hill. He was able to go to work every day at the Occupational Center in Orange. He lived a full productive life. At our memorial for Moose, I thanked our friends and neighbors who welcomed him to this community and taught their children not to be afraid of this gentle giant. I would like to extend my thanks on behalf of my mother and family to everyone who contributed to the happy years he spent here, especially my children and their friends who demonstrated a remarkable level of maturity in their acceptance of Moose. This speaks well of our community, the positive way in which diversity and difference is being taught in our schools and the direction in which we are moving. We will miss Moose terribly but we will never forget this very special person, Chester W. Odin III. <laughs> you know, when I, when I read that, I felt like I knew everything about him. I really felt like I, like, I, like I knew him, like I've seen him before. And you wrote that the day after he passed. The week right? after, yeah. The weekend. Let me ask you this. Where did you find the strength to, to write that? You know, I, I think, hard to say. you know, when when moose died and i think all of us um came together and i think it was the first time we realized how much of an impact he had had on our lives and because we're a big family 
the siblings had to come from all over the country um, to South Orange um, for his memorial. And I think it, you know, because he was just a part of our lives and he was, he, he was a part of the family, we didn't realize how much we would miss him until he wasn't there. He was such a presence. Um, and I think that was, a, I think that for me, that was the first time I realized how he had changed the way I saw the world. You know, it would, it, it really, it, he really enriched our lives. And I think he helped make us better people mm -hmm. because he was in our family. Right. Christopher, right. when you hear that letter, is it just spot on? Is it just she Myla got everything right? Or is there something that you would like to add? She hit it, uh, the hammer on the nail. Um, that sort of some moose up. And, and you know, I guess we, glad, we were just glad he didn't suffer. I mean, yes. he, he went quickly. Um, my mother always said, you know, we don't want, she didn't want moose to be a burden on us. You know, she said, you know, I, I hope he goes before I do. I don't want him to be a burden on you guys. And, you know, so it was sort of God's way of just saying, you know, he's, he had his time. He, he had his, you know, he gave his blessings. We all learned, we all grew from Moose and then it was, just, it was time to move on. Mm -hmm. Another thing about here because he, I'm just thinking of what a character he was. And we have so many stories. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, just, <laughs> he I loved know. Halloween. He could curse like a sailor. He, he twirled up. Yeah. Plastic tornado all the time. I, it's, he, he could he could name that tune. He yeah. was amazing. He was a big music fan. He loved wrestling, Godzilla. I mean, <laughs> the uh, what was that show? The um, the honeymooners. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he, oh. he was he was a character. I just I and I just got caught there thinking of all the things I used to set booby traps for him because he loved food, and I would I would set booby traps in the in the. Fridge. Remember when you put the lock in the refrigerator? Right. So when he got through the lock and he opened it, the pans would fall, and then they would clash because he would get up at night and go through the refrigerator, and I would come down <laughs> and say, "Moose, get out of that! Get out of the refrigerator!" Cause I would hear the pan, the pans drop and he would get, he would burst out and be all upset. And, and so he I could was, curse so, like a sailor. Huh? <laughs> he could curse like a sailor. Yeah, he, he could curse like a sailor. He picked up yeah. some words over the years too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but let me just say this. One, yeah. one of his first words, we thought, we thought he was saying truck and oh. he wasn't. <laughs> you can, you oh. can take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And remember, he wasn't supposed to be able to do any of this, but with all the stimulation he had, with all these, all these family members, brothers, sisters, he picked up a lot over the years, and you know, and grew. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and I'll tell you that uh, I remember being in um, junior high school mm -hmm. before it was called middle school, and I had a history teacher, and I've never forgotten this. One of the assignments he gave us was to write an essay about what would make this a better world? Mm. And um, I really confused him because I wrote an essay saying that I thought if more people had that extra chromosome that Moose had, that gave him Down syndrome, that it would be a better world because he loved everybody. He accepted things. He knew how to enjoy everything from food to music to kids and my teacher did not understand that at all. 
And uh, I didn't do very well on that assignment, but I never forgot it because- I was gonna say, did you face some backlash because you said that? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. This was, and that was in the 60s, yeah. Um, but I, I still, I think one of the best things that has happened in society is the fact that um, uh, children with disabilities and people with disabilities are being, um, Mainstream. mainstreamed and and are part of society and um, I know that the preschool handicap program at Marshall uh, was a wonderful place and I actually taught him uh, took him there to visit and he recognized I think he recognized one of the kids in the class who was a downs and the other thing it did it has done is I know for my children and for um other children, their friends in the community, uh, they all accepted him and they didn't, that was our great fear, bringing him from Minnesota where he had a, a really good support group and he had, a, you know, they had recreation, they had things for them to do. They were very forward thinking in Minnesota at that time. I was worried about what would happen to him here and my mother was worried about his impact on my kids because they were young, but my children accepted him totally, no problem. And their friends did too. And even when they were at soccer games at Floods Hill and the ball went out of bounds and Moose, it came to Moose, he didn't want to give it back, you know, and he would hold it and play with it. And, and the kids were really good and they would jump up and down and say, hey, Moose, we'll get you another ball. It's okay. Um, that is a huge shift in our society. And I, I believe that's a very positive shift because it says everybody has a place. Yeah, one of the questions I was gonna ask you, but it's pretty much answered throughout the whole time we talked, it's going back to the newsletter, the three years that Moose has uh, been in South Orange, how did he touch uh, other people's lives? How did he have that impact? But hearing the stories, even the <laughs> one you just said five seconds ago about the soccer ball, I, I can see it now. Yeah. I, I really can. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, I, I would say, and I, and, and I think this holds true for everyone in our family and anyone who knew us, my friends, my, you know, New York society friends, they all had, they all accepted Moose. And if you didn't, then you weren't part of our group. It's like he, um, I think it broadened their perspective. You know, my friends who were older in their thirties, when he got out here, um, and they met Moose, he, he broadened their perspective and, and their appreciation for those who are different because he embraced them immediately. And I don't think a lot of people are used to someone just being so totally okay with who they are. There was no, I, you know, Moose never judged. And, um, and that is, and, and as Chris was saying earlier, unconditional, love and acceptance from this person and that was rare and a lot of people picked up on that and embraced it mm -hmm. and i used to call him the gentle giant because he held my kids as infants and sometimes people were like oh aren't you afraid i said he's never dropped one <laughs> mm -hmm. he doesn't drop them and he loves them and he could sense that that they you know, he could sense what they needed. And 
those are lessons that we can all learn from. Absolutely. Chris, do you have any uh, examples of stories that you have with Moose that really shows his compassion towards other people? Well, I can talk about a football game where he got caught. We got literally got stuck in the bleachers. Moose wanted to do what everybody else did. You know what I mean? So when, when he was at the game, my mother, everybody's watching the game. Moose would kind of go off and do his own thing. And again, gravitate to other people and other kids. And he would follow and do what others were doing. In this particular case, the kids were trying to squeeze through the bleachers at a football on the football stand, mm-hmm. you know, at a, at a game. You know, the bleachers are, 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 you know, what, 12, 24 inches. And Moose tried to do the same thing and ended up getting stuck. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I was told the story, you know, they made another announcement. Um, they went down, they had to call the, the fire department to come in and, and kind of <laughs> launch him out of there. And I guess everybody came and, and was hugging Moose and, and telling him it was okay and, and you know, patting him on his back and because he was very upset knowing that, you know, he had done something wrong because he, he at times knew when he had gone too far or, or kind of did something he shouldn't have done. And I, I did hear that story. Um, I didn't physically see it. I was playing. But I did. I did. <laughs> what that. was your reaction to that story? Were you shocked that, you know, people like was really... Uh, willing to help him out? No, not at all. Because at that point, they had known who Moose was. As I said, when the national anthem played, everyone knew he would go stand under the flag and put his hand up like this. So it, it became he would salute. So every, it, it became a he became a tradition. He became part of the community. Became part of everybody's lives. And and at that point, it was it was just you know par for the course. Yeah, yeah. I just just want to say um, what became big in our lives is our. Uh, we would go to the Special Olympics. Oh yeah. Because Moose would participate in the Special <laughs> Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. and we would have to get down there. My mother would actually take us out of school so that we could go and support him because that was something our family did. We always supported each other in our um, endeavors and sports. And so when Moose would participate in Special Olympics every year, we would get out of school and we would go down there on the field because in order, to get him around the entire track, because he, he he would run, he liked to watch his shadow. So we would be spaced <laughs> periodically around the, the track so we could egg him on and come on, Moose, come on, so that he wouldn't get stuck watching his shadow <laughs> and not finish the race. But right. yeah, I it, it was a, a a big shout out to Special I Olympics. To McDonald's or something you know. too. Hey, come on, let's go. We- <laughs> Yes, and he loved Camp Hope here in in uh, New Jersey. He went three summers. Oh my God, I I, I just love this the, to be a part of you guys' reunion. Thank <laughs> you guys so much for you know taking the time out to really give me like a, a great idea of this great person. You know, I, I I really appreciate it. Just one more quick question, you know, for all you guys. Is there anything that you would like to say with others, with a sibling who has a disability? Like, how would you really like, you know, guide them or any advice for them at all? For me, um, I would just say a sibling with special needs is the same as every other sibling in the family. Not to not to treat that that individual differently, but just as another one member of the family. And to embrace that, to to share everything that you would share normally with a family member and with the family, you share with that sibling as well. 
and and don't make any distinction. Yeah, let them be part of it as much as they can be, you know, because you never know the impact that you're having on that person, but also on the people around that person. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we need to work on most is empathy. And that's the ability to put yourself in the place of another person. And I think if more of us did that more of the time, uh, we would be a much better place. Yeah, make it normal. Um, yep. don't, don't change your routines. It's, it's, it's just part, it's just another part of your, your family you dynamic and, and keep it all kind of consistent. Yep. I, I'll tell you this personally, I do feel relief that you're telling me, you know, these stories back in the days compared to now on how everyone was just so helpful and just want to be Moose's friend. And it was just so fantastic. Hopefully that progression could, uh, could really evolve into more things that's going on, you know, with race and religion and how people identify themselves. I really hope that, you know, that morphs into that. And I just really thank you guys so much for taking the time out again to, to talk to me and just share, you know, Moose's life, his, his experiences. It's, it's, it's really phenomenal. It really is. Well, I want to thank you too, Brandon. It was fun to talk about him. Mm -hmm. We do get together and talk about him at different times uh, if it comes up. But um, I think the, the lesson to take away is that everyone has something to share and to yeah. contribute. You just have to look for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'll leave it there. Myla, Terry, Christopher, thank you guys so much for taking the time out again to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.